Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 115. Chris, did you know that there's a chess piece that has 115 inequivalent ways of placing it on a six by six chessboard so that no two of them are attacking each other? Do you want to take a guess as to which piece that is? Uh, pawn or knight? One of the Pawn or knight's a good guess, but no. No, okay. I don't know it. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> it's, it's the record. <laughs> The, you, apparently but 115 rooks hold on on a six by six chessboard i know that's why i was rooks. like what are you talking about why don't i ever i, I never <laughs> i never think about these before i say oh i wanted to correct the last one too i was saying that uh 114 is the smallest positive integer that you can represent as a cubed plus b cubed plus c cubed but i had that flipped it's the smallest positive integer which has yet to be represented as a cubed plus b cubed plus c cubed. okay so you can't yeah, that's the smallest number where you can't represent it like that. Uh, and so exactly to, the opposite of what you said. Yeah. <laughs> now I need to verify there's a rook back too. I, it's probably like, something like 119 ways to put two rooks on a six by six chessboard. Something like that. Inequivalent rays of placing six rooks on a six by six chessboard. Oh, six rooks. Okay. Six rooks on a six by six chessboard. How could you have 115 ways of doing that? Where that none of them sense. can attack each other. Yeah, because the rook is the that's the that's the castle that like goes in rows and columns, right? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, so much for my fun fact again. I guess I guess next episode we'll figure out what the actual fact is. You're, uh, you're welcome, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron's just now rejoining us uh, 30 seconds in. Um, how was your last week? What did you get up to? I finished my linear algebra final, which... Congratulations. Is good. It's done. It's yeah. in so I can think about other things. Um, as a result, I have dropped to 30th place in the Stable Diffusion Kaggle competition. Oh, man. So I'm going to pick that back up. The the first, like the gold zone is not that far in terms of like absolute score, but it feels that way. So mm. we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to work on that again, though. I also rearranged my office, uh, as you can see. I was reading a thing. So I've been using the Canon M50, and it does not have autofocus in mm. HDMI mode. And I was reading a thing that said the Sony A6000 does. Mm. And I've had a Sony A6000 for longer than I've had a Canon M50. So I got it up and I set it up. I set it up with the lens that I wanted, which was too long. So I rearranged my whole too, too long, meaning uh, the um, it's, it was 30 millimeters, which is not a wide angle. It's like a more normal mm -hmm. focal length. So I rearranged my office and then I decided I didn't like that lens on it anyway. So I put this, the, this zoom lens back on it. Um, so that's what you're seeing now. So it probably doesn't look very much different. Uh, but you get to see the corner of my office instead of the back wall because I moved my desk. So cool. You look good. That's what I did. I think if I could repurchase, I also have the M50. I think if I could redo it, I would get a Sony. I think the Sony webcam support is much better than the Canon. That's yes. currently so, what's preventing me from upgrading to the latest Mac OS because the Canon publishes this EOS webcam utility yeah. that lets you use your Canon camera as a webcam just through USB. So you get autofocus and you get the clean, it's, it's actually right. like a webcam, uh, but it's it lags a version behind Mac OS. So I can't update yeah, so I was using, I tried using that with the M50 and it didn't really work. So I'm using the Elgato Cam Link with the Sony. Um, so I have the HDMI anyway. We'll see if this camera, it's been on for 20 minutes. We'll see if it shuts off in about 10. Uh, I think I made it go to unlimited length, but maybe not. So if my picture goes away, that's what happened. Um, but yeah, anyway. I think from from whatever, I think the Sony support for using it like a webcam is... Uh is better so yeah you have autofocus with a cam link and supposedly unlimited runtime which i had to use gphoto 2 with the canon m50 to get yeah so yeah we'll see yep, yep. yeah using the uh the cam link hardware is also just a much more complicated setup and then that little yeah. cam link would get really hot and uh mm -hmm. they were cheap but and then it started acting weird like i was gonna say you, you bought the cheap ones <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and they're they're not good no. i bought the hundred dollar one <laughs> Yeah, but then the the downside of that is yeah, it doesn't autofocus, which I don't know how big of a deal that is because I'm sitting in the same place uh, every time. Yeah, but it just feels jankier. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, cool. So that's what um, I got to do. You congratulations on submitting the linear algebra. How many classes do you have left before you're a master Five. of machine learning? I'm half through. So yeah. next semester. So I, in the summer, what I realized I could do and I should have done, is you can take certain courses online at other universities, other online universities, for pass, no pass grades. Mm. You can take up to two. Uh, I should have done that this summer because then I could have finished next year. Um, mm. And they're, like, generally easier, <laughs> especially because you're taking a pass-fail. Yeah. Um, so I should have done that. cheaper also? 
Uh, it's actually more expensive. Yeah. Okay. UT Austin is fairly cheap. Like a thousand dollars per class is like about the cheapest you can get master's classes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, but next semester in the fall, I should take uh, natural language processing and also reinforcement learning to classes I am looking forward to. So, natural language processing. Yeah. So, like text, AI stuff with text. Yeah. Okay. Very applicable in this GPT world. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe you'll build your own GPT, which could mm-hmm. roll into the next thing I want to ask you about of the uh, yeah. what you've been thinking about for this project of making a private GPT for Slack or, or doing more courses. Where where you landed on that? Yeah, so I still like the idea of like uh, what would it take to basically take GPT and stand it up on your own servers and like help businesses do that. Um, one, I I work at Google, so they might like. Uh... Oh, okay. I was like, you held up your finger. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, um, anyway, um, what was I saying? So yeah, um, I I don't think I'm going to do that right now. Like as a business, I think that'd be a neat business. But you know, I don't want Google to take copyright uh, of something I make like that. Yeah. And also, I just don't have the time to like dedicate to that kind of business right now. Um, I have been thinking a lot more though about doing courses. Um, I haven't done done a good course for a while. Uh, I think AI is a great thing to do. I really like the angle of AI for web developers. So like there's lots of web developers now who think they need to learn AI. um, And I think I could do that for them. So I've been trying to figure out what that would look like. The problem is there's like, there's probably 10 courses I want to make. Like there's a lot of material I could go over. So like whittling that down to what is most valuable. uh, Could I charge for it? Would it be like a free YouTube thing? I don't know. Like, I don't know. So I'm thinking about all of that. Could we workshop that? Could you... Pitch me on some of the 10 courses, what you... Sure. So one of the things that I've heard a lot is people want to learn AI, but they don't want to learn Python, or they want to learn, like, they want to learn AI in their native programming language before they learn Python. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been thinking about doing, one, an intro to Python course for AI. So like, just like the very basics of Python you need just to make, do AI. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of them. The other one, I want to do like the same course for intro to AI in Python, Ruby, and JavaScript. Mm-hmm. They all have libraries that you could use, and you could teach approximately the same material in all three. And then the idea is you could start at any one of those languages, get to about the same point, and then from there, uh, I could make more advanced AI courses in Python because that's really what you have to switch to. Um, yeah, So, but those intro courses are ones that I'm thinking of right now. Mm. Who... Who do you want to make a course for? Do you want to make a course for web developers, your, your same sort of audience that you have with the the React? Uh, yeah, so crowd? I like the idea of taking people through the same journey I've been on the last few years, which is I knew Ruby and JavaScript, and now I know AI stuff. So how did I get there? What can I do? What could they, you know, what types of problems can they solve? Yeah. Um, there's also this whole other thing, which is maybe I just do a whole course about using AI APIs. So teaching you just enough AI to learn the APIs, so you don't actually make your own models, but you use GPT and, and stuff. Um, sort of along with that, I thought about making an AI, uh, uh, like learn AI with no math course. Mm. So, you know, I describe what everything is, but I use no math terms because mm. the math really throws people off. Um, I have, I have like more on a list also, but yeah. So, so, so I, yeah, I don't know what I want to do first. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about it more, but that's that's what I've been thinking about. I, I like the audience of uh, web developers. I like the framing of taking people on the same sort of journey that you've been on. What's the superpower you want to be able to give people? What what uh, of of all the effort that you put, like you're doing a master's in this, you're you're diving deep. Uh, what what's the core thing that you're able to do now that is the the superpower that you'd like to give other people? Yeah, there's two sort of different ones and I don't know which I want to pursue. One is just taking AI tools that are out there and implementing them into your own applications. Mm-hmm. So like you can just call GPT's API, but it's also like for prompting and stuff. Like if you understand the underlying architecture, then that makes all of your interactions with it better. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like um just teaching people enough so that they can then use the APIs more effectively. So I thought that's like one angle. Um, the other angle is people who actually want to switch careers. So, or, or want to, you know, like build a- AI, build custom AIs. So build their own models, train with their own data and stuff like that. So I'm well, not sure the which first direction. Yeah. Well, from, from your experience, what, what benefit do you get understanding the underlying 
architecture? Like what 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 sort of what sort of insight do you have into into how to more effectively use the OpenAI API, given your understanding yeah. of what's going on at the deeper level? What, so what does that let you do? Couple, there's a couple things. One is just people get freaked out by it, so they they don't understand it and they don't like that they don't understand it, and so they don't know how to use it. And so some of it is just giving you some knowledge so that you feel a little less freaked out by it, mm. um, which helps you use it better. Um, so that's one. The other is like even things like just learning that GPT is trained on predicting the next token, mm. like just understanding that very deeply, like really helps, uh, you know, with people's understanding. I, I feel like they're, they're able to use it better. The other thing is like teaching them enough vocabulary so they can learn like what an embedding is, because one of the things you can do with OpenAI is use it for embeddings. And that's not very well known, but it's actually really, really powerful, especially if you're just sprinkling AI into your existing application. Like if you understand what an embedding is, what you can turn into an embedding, and then what you can do with them, um, that's different than just prompting. And I think probably more powerful for for a lot of people. Mm. So that resonates with me. This idea that like you're demystifying this magical uh, uh, genie and and. Right breaking it down enough that people can understand that it's just predicting the next token sort of like a an expansion of the explanation that you gave me about how the uh gpt apis is uh working um i think there is value in that that's not necessarily just for web developers i could i could see that doing really well just on youtube as a video of uh, let me let me break down you know i'm i'm a uh, I'm, I'm in a master's program for machine learning uh i'm almost a grandmaster in Kaggle. Uh, here's my explanation for five-year-olds on how to, uh, you know, uh, maybe if you, if you want to exploit your children for internet clout, here's <laughs> me explaining to, to my daughter, like how to, yeah. uh, how these things are working. Um, that to me feels much more like a viral youtube video than it feels like a course like uh, i i think what i haven't quite connected is like here's here's what you'll be able to do after you have this information uh once you understand this this lower level architecture you'll be able to craft much better prompts yeah like what what's the before and after of uh, how what how is this improving my life if i if i understand this lower level architecture yeah, so that's absolutely something I have to think more about. Also, like you said, so when I'm talking about everything I want to create, a, a large chunk of that's going to be free. Like, mm. And then something I want to make as a paid course. Mm -hmm. The thing I think makes a lot of sense as a paid course is you want to make your own models in PyTorch using Pandas. Uh, here's how you do that. And that's, you know, there's courses that teach you how to do that. A lot of them involve a lot of math. So that's why it's the, the web developer angle, I think, makes sense for that. It's like you don't want to learn. You don't want to get a master's in math in order to understand this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to explain how to make your own custom models. Very little math when, in PyTorch. That, I think, is a great paid course. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the how GPT works, uh, even the intro courses like in Ruby and JavaScript, um, those could be paid also. But I think those would be great like, like lead-in courses. Uh, they'll learn just enough Python in order to you know, do some AI. That's a great lead in a free lead in course, right? On YouTube or something. So yeah, I think all those are great free lead in courses on YouTube. If you were going to sit down and customize one of these models, uh, go on what? hugging face and, and yeah, train one of the image recognition models to recognize some sort of like uh, novel image. Would you use, uh, uh, what am I trying to ask? Cause you already know Python. Is it, was it worthwhile to learn Python or uh, like, like if, if, if I erased Python from your knowledge, uh, would the best way for you to make those, uh, those models to be to first learn Python or with enough JavaScript or Ruby, uh, it, it would be better for you to use, you know, one, one extra layer of indirection. Uh, yeah. how, how would you do that? So, TensorFlow.js does exist. Yeah. You can do it in TensorFlow. But as soon as you do anything serious, you really need Python. Okay. But I've heard a lot of people say they can't, they just can't learn AI using Python because now they're learning two things at the same time. Right. And they want to learn the AI stuff first. And so they are dead set on finding a way to do it without learning Python, which yeah. I was too at first. And then I just forced myself to learn Python, but it took a while. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I think if you led with the AI stuff, like here's what you can do in 10 lines of JavaScript, this is great. Now you want to like fully customize it. You really have to switch to Python. Here's an intro to Python course. Mm -hmm. um, or not intro to Python course, like here's Python for existing developers. Like, you're, like you already have a lot of experience with development. I don't need to explain like what a variable is, yeah. but I do need to explain like how, how Python deals with lists and, and hash tables and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the kind of bridge course I think you can take after you learn a little bit of AI because then you're excited about learning enough Python to then do the more complicated stuff. Yeah, that's my, the Suzuki you know. method. Uh, do, does that mean anything to you? I think you explained it once before, but okay. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this, uh, for, for kids teaching them how to play an instrument, there's the, there's the traditional school of thought, which is like, ah, start at the lower level of like what a note is and uh, the the right. physical fingerings or whatever of, of how to play it and uh, teach it a little bit of knowledge of music theory. And the Suzuki method is like, let's just teach kids how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the violin. Just like hold your fingers like this and move the string like this on the violin. Uh, and then once you've like you, you you get them to a place where they can demonstrate something cool that they get affirmation for quickly and then you can backfill the the lower level information um that's what i'm reminded of in this in this situation like if you if you show what's possible hmm okay here's here's the curriculum sort of forming in my head you the the problem you're trying to solve the the superpower you want to give web developers is being able to work at one level of abstraction deeper than just using some random company's uh, API of either OpenAI's API yeah. or uh, uh, assembly. Um, you want to give them access to the tools that those companies are using, which is like hugging face models. You want to you want to open up hugging face models to every web developer. So module one is uh, that hook of like, hey, would like it's cool that there's all these APIs, and that's definitely the the easiest thing to do. But as soon as you get to a level of complexity where you need to be editing those models, maybe you have some custom photo uh, analysis that you need to be doing of figuring out if something's a hot dog or not a hot dog, which isn't a great example because I think you can just do that with stuff off the shelf. But uh, come up with a few examples of like here here are instances in which you would you would need to uh, edit the underlying model. Um, first, I'm going to show you the quick and dirty like how this is possible to do with just JavaScript. And I think you assume that people are just going to use JavaScript. Um, you, you've mentioned Ruby a couple times. Um, I don't I don't know that I would mess with Ruby. Um, yeah, people don't use Ruby for yeah. ML stuff. I, I talk about Ruby because that's the a language I know. And I know people who know a lot of Ruby who want to learn machine learning and don't want to yeah. learn Python. Yeah, yeah. So for uh, I think I think it's safe to assume everyone who knows Ruby also knows JavaScript. That might be uh, true. Yeah, that's true. I, it, it depends on the audience, but okay. So that, that's that's module one. Like, uh, here's how it's possible to do this sort of thing, and and we're we're getting a really high level overview. This is just this is the Suzuki. Like, I'm going to teach you how to play the violin. This is sort of like a, a, a crash course of that uh, Learn TensorFlow JS book that you recommended me. Um, here's how you can get to the point where you know. Let, let me tell you about what hugging faces. Tell you about what these models are. Uh, show you how you can like download these models and, and run them and uh, let's do a really basic thing that you're able to get up and running. Uh, and then module two is, okay, that was just a play example to show you what's possible. So to start getting you more familiar with these, um, if you're actually doing anything serious, everyone uses Python, you're gonna be handicapped if you don't know Python, this is just the language that everyone in this industry speaks. So you need to know just enough Python to be dangerous, but don't worry. I know you're a developer. I'm not going to waste your time with talking about what a variable is, but I am going to talk about how Python is more uh, functional than JavaScript. Instead of calling array.length, you call... Other alien. way around. No? Oh, I don't know any Python. <laughs> I need to take this course. <laughs> it's, it's more object or it's more object oriented. However, it inherits a lot of C style function calls like length. Okay. The, one of the, really one of the only things I know about Python is that to get an array length, you can't call array.length. You do LEA. Yeah. And that, that it, really, it, really it really drove me nuts when I was learning it, okay. especially because uh, NumPy arrays and TensorFlow tensors, uh, you can call dot .shape or dot .size on, and that just works. Oh, so. good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> what, anyway, whatever, anyway. whatever the things are that I need to know. Exactly. This is what yeah. I'll explain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the core thing for me would be like understanding the data models that I'm going to be working with. So like what yeah. you just said, understanding what a tensor is, understanding the, uh, you know, here, here's what a native array looks like in Python. 
and here's what you can do with a native array, but we're not going to be using those. We're going to be using this other thing and whatever the, whatever the core high level abstractions are. If you wanted to, to walk through like with me, what a, a Jupyter notebook looks like, and then I'll just tell you all the things that I'm confused by and then yeah. make a note of those. And, and uh, those are the things you, you cover in the language. You don't need to cover everything. You don't need to cover, uh, I don't know. I don't know enough Python to, to, to fill this in. But stuff, if there's stuff about Python that you know that you don't actually need to know, you can you can cut yeah. that out uh, for the specific example. And then, uh, the so that, that's module two, like intro to Python. And then module three is, uh, let's let's combine these two things. Remember that previous previous example that we did uh, in JavaScript TensorFlow.js earlier? Look at how much easier this is now that we're able to do it in Python. We have access to these much better tools. We can do this in a Jupyter Notebook. Um, you know, it's so much faster, whatever the advantage of running into Python is. And then what I would love to see you just touch on is like, how, what do you do next? Because yeah. as a web developer, I want to be able to ultimately call this as an API function. I don't know how you deploy uh, uh, models. I, I think you need some sort of fancy VPS that has a GPU running, but those can be super expensive. Is there another way to do that where it's more on demand? Can I do like a serverless function style thing where I deploy the functions? Or is there other architecture where I can just upload the module to to some other, you know, does, does AWS have a way that I can just upload a model and then and then call it on demand? Yeah. Uh, and then that's the course. That's yeah. uh, that's how I would, I would do it. Yeah. So the other thing I could do is basically just jump straight to that last bit, which is all right, here's how to make very custom models, and then here's how to deploy them and stuff. Like, yeah. assume there's enough good Python tutorials on the internet that developers will figure it out. Okay. Um, so maybe I do that instead. I'm really yeah. not sure. You could start with that and then, you know, send that to... Yeah, because that's going to be valuable for people who already know Python. That's going to be valuable for people who could pick up enough Python to be able to do this. Yeah. Like, like I picked it up as I went along. It was annoying for several months, but yeah. I, I got it. And I understood it. Yeah. 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 I could see starting there and then build the modules in reverse order if you yeah. uh, want us to build all. So I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. That's what I've been thinking about. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Cool. How about you? I'm more excited to talk about you because you have had a week, right? You yes. have done stuff well you've also had file inbox. You've also done, yes oh the file inbox thing is the most exciting yeah 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 um, oh what were you think what did you think i talked about oh, i was talking about oh I, I guess you also had a week yeah all right we, ha we had the same amount of time yeah <laughs> it was just funny to me <laughs> one of your reasons for being more excited to talk about is that i've had a week but we both we both had a week um yeah yeah <laughs> you had yes, a week the, full of SaaS stuff yes uh so the i had my first call with uh asia orangio of demand maiden and uh this is the she she does uh, growth consulting for businesses. She'll come to your business and for uh, what to me is a very large amount of money and for businesses already making a lot of money is uh, not very much money. She will do an audit of your business. She'll she uh, asked me for all of my account access to like Google Analytics and. Uh, user list and uh anywhere where i'd be i would be like processing user data uh churn buster and uh went through just like you know she, she asked me all the accounts and then i gave them and then through the rest of the conversation i was like oh and also there's there's this other thing <laughs> uh you probably also want this thing and uh she will give uh it's it's a month-long process she uh has hour-long conversations with you once a week and then after the call she gives you homework and then uh at, at the end of the entire process her her end result is this like 20 page document that uh my understanding is it's going to say uh here are your opportunities for growth the lowest hanging fruit and i think you should do them in this order and the idea of having a pdf that just tells me what to do <laughs> that like <laughs> if i do it it's going to grow the company like that right that feels so freeing that feels like uh i think the core of what I felt frustrated by in file inbox is there's a there's a infinite number of things I could be working on, right? 
do I work on onboarding? Do I redo the landing page? If I redo the landing page, I, I need to do it like from a better understanding of my customers, right? So shouldn't I talk to more people? But which people do I talk to? Do I talk to like the people in this particular vertical? Well, I guess I should pick which vertical to focus on, but which vertical do I pick? And I guess it doesn't really matter, but so, so I should just pick one arbitrarily, but I don't really like any of them. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I should do something else. Maybe I should just not even think about a vertical and go more horizontal and just, oh, I can get stuck in these endless loops and not know what to do. And the idea of just the clarity of like, she's just, she's just going to, I'm just, I'm going to take all this complexity and I'm just going to shove it all over the big dump truck. I'm just going to dump it on her and then she's going to go through it and she's going to make sense of it with none of this emotional baggage that I have. It's not her business. She's just focused on this problem of like, how do I identify what the core things are for to maximize growth? And then she's going to come back to it. She doesn't have to do any of the work. She just needs to like, tell me what the work is to do. And then I get I get this nice juicy like, oh, it's like hiring a boss. It's it's the reason we started this podcast, right? Yeah. Um, and she does this professionally. Like she's done this with multiple businesses. She has this track record of, of being able to grow it. She like knows the things to look for. So uh, yeah, we had the first call and it felt so cathartic. Just she would ask these questions like, uh, you know, what 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 marketing processes do you have right now? How, how are you currently getting customers? And I'd be like, I don't really have any. I'm not really doing anything. I have some SEO. I'm buying some Google ads. They're not really working. Here's some other things I tried that weren't really working. I tried, uh, uh, oh, Brian, Brian Castle, uh, audience ops. I tried audience mm. ops and uh, I didn't really like the articles that came out of it and didn't really see results. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know why. And she was like, okay, that's okay. And then we moved on to the next thing. And just like to get it out of my head and to and to say it out loud felt so good. It felt so good. <laughs> like, uh, I, it feels like talking to a therapist, but about your business. And I'm feeling incredibly optimistic about the the result of like uh, where this is going to end up. So uh, so far, the the thing that we've established is like she she has access to all my stuff. Oh, after the call, she was like, "Okay, I need access to like this, 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 and this." And I was like, "Oh yes, absolutely." <laughs> and then like five <laughs> minutes after the call, I was just like, "Oh, I have a to do list. Like I know exactly what to do to, to push this business forward. All I need to do is do what Asia told me to do." Uh, so I got to that, and uh, she also asked for like any customer interviews that I've done uh, in the past of videos. So I was able to uh, scrounge up all those and customer notes. And she also asked if I had any sort of like. Uh, uh, vision board or business documents about stuff in the future. And that was another thing where I was like, no, I don't really have a vision for my business. I'm just, I've just been running it. And she was like, yes. okay, we're like, this is something I see really often that people don't have a vision of like where they want to keep the business. And that's okay. Uh, and that's, I think, really frequently a core thing that really uh, helps founders know how to push forward if, if you know where you're going. And it doesn't have to be like, the vision and then you never change it just pick a pick a thing you'd like to do like why does your business exist um you can change it later but test it out like pick a vision and try going in that direction and if that doesn't feel right we can change it but just having a vision having a, an outlook of like this is where i'm going this is why this thing exists this is the purpose of how this this business in the world helps people um so i gave her all of the notes i've ever taken in file inbox which is just this cacophony of these markdown files of like every random shower thought I've ever had of every feature I could possibly build. And now she has them. And she's, she's gonna, she's gonna, uh, she's gonna tell me what to do, and that feels very comforting. Uh, so that's that's where we are right now with uh, the the domain maven thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see how that uh, turns out. Um, I was reminded when you talk about like just having a vision for what you want. Uh, so Alex Hillman and Amy Hoy have this idea of. Um, Oh, shoot. Do you remember it's called? It's like a reverse plan or something. Backwards plan. Yeah. Talk Backwards about planning. it in, uh, just um, fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it just make, it makes a lot of sense. Like, it's obvious. But where do you want to be? Yeah. And then plan basically the milestones or things you have to release in backwards order yeah. in order to get there in whatever time you want to get there. Yeah. Um, and there's more to it. You can, like, look that up on their site. But, uh, yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, and you can't have a backwards plan if you don't know where you're going. Right. You can't, you can't you work backwards. Goal, from right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the goal can change. The goal might be, sure. you know, uh, she said she was going to send me a, a vision document on like how to craft a vision, but she hasn't sent that yet. So uh, uh, maybe I won't continue that thought. Uh, like, uh, you, you can change your vision. I think is the is the core point I'm trying to make. Um, yeah, I'm also very excited. This feels like I. I, I can roll this into the next one I was going to make, which is I have felt 
more demotivated in working on the uh, repurpose engine recently. And it's a feeling I'm working through, but I, I noticed, I noticed like in this conversation with Asia, my enthusiasm for file inbox went way up and my enthusiasm mm. for repurpose engine fell a little bit further down. And uh, I don't know what to do about those feelings, but uh, those are the those are the feelings I'm feeling. Um, and at the same time, I felt like I got more clarity as to what Repurpose Engine was gonna do. There's this uh, there's this competitor now. We're just gonna roll right into Repurpose Engine here. Uh, there's this competitor called Opus Clips that I think has the best product of any of my competitors. Their captions look really good. It's entirely AI-based, and the AI is the best AI of anything else that I've tried, finding the interesting parts. Um, it renders really quickly. They have this Discord interface and this web interface so that like the community is baked in, so I can also see like other people's clips rolling in. Um, they do like monthly office hours, and uh, I hopped on one of those, and you get to hear the founder and, and hear about what he's saying. And I found myself starting to slip down this thought process of like, ah, what's the point of me working on this if, if they have such a good product already? But then I had a little bit more of a think and was like, hold on, is like, would I use this? It, does this solve my problem? And the answer was no, I wouldn't because the sort of clips that I want to take out of this podcast are clips that I want to be able to prove a point like like something will happen on twitter where someone's asking a question and, and i'll remember oh that's something we talked about on the podcast i i would love to instead of just having a text answer here i would love to insert a, a clip of the podcast but i can't really do that on opus clips because opus clips is finding its own clips for me and then i had a customer call with a, uh i had a i had a call with a, a potential customer um that would be using this video clipping stuff it was a, a friend that i made at microconf and he had this beautiful analogy of like AI right now works really well as an Iron Man suit and it doesn't really work as Wally. And that was just like a lightning bolt of like, oh my God, yes, hmm. Opus Clips is trying to build Wally and I'm trying to build an Iron Man suit. I have a different perspective on this problem than Opus Clips does. And I can just blatantly steal this great template that they've built. <laughs> like like it, it, it is just, you know, it's it's the uh, Alex Ormezi, uh style of like the way that it, they did the captions and uh, I kind of like the way that they handle emojis in, in the interface of doing it. Like that part's really good, but they're not solving this problem in the way that I want it to be solved. They're not solving this problem in the way that like I'm, I'm trying to solve it for other people. Um, what I want to be able to do is like search all of our episodes to remember the episode that we talked about, whatever the thing is, ERVs, and then be able to jump to that part of the transcript and then maybe have AI suggest for me, oh, you know, here's here's like an interesting segment of this. But I also want to sort of disregard that and be like, no, 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 I'm looking for the part about the ERV. Okay, yes, this is the part that I want to clip. And then I'd like AI to suggest to me like, oh, hey, would you like to trim out all the silence and trim out all the filler words? Here's the the clip that I would recommend. And then I want to be able to, as the as the creator, say, uh, yes, for most of that, but but not this and this part. And actually, I'd like to recombine this part with this, this other part over here. That's the thing that I'm building. And that's something I think no one else in this space is building. It seems like there's manual editors. There's there's like really manual editors of the old school stuff of, you know, Final Cut Pro, where you can edit the waveform. Uh, and I, all of us, I think, are, are building a better clipping thing than that. And then there's more manual editors where... Uh, you're just doing things like highlighting the transcript of the one video that you uploaded. Uh, and that I think is is still too manual. And then there's on the other end of the spectrum, things like Opus Clips that are trying to do it entirely automated. Uh, and that I think is not going to get you very good clips. Um, and also seems to be optimized for people who aren't the creator. It seems to be for people who want to grow their TikTok channel by curating clips from other people's channels. That's not who I'm building this for. And I think there's a sweet spot in there of like, uh, I, I feel like I'm honing what my perspective on this problem is of like, I'm building this for creators to clip their own content and uh, doing it in a way where my tool is an Iron Man suit and it's not Wally. -E. Uh, so I, I, I was able to swing from this familiar place that I've been to before of like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm wasting a lot of time when all these clips exist to like, oh no, I actually do have a unique take on this. And that feels like a much more powerful position to be in. And one that I can expand on. Like 
even if I found out there was another competitor that was, ah, I don't even like the word competitor. If, if I found there was another person who was approaching the problem from, you know, even that level of similarity, I can go deeper, right? Like no one's going to be able to build the tool that I want. That's the tool that is going to uh, make me the most effective at, at uh, making these clips. So yeah, felt like I had like a, 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 a positive reframing in the moment that also I feel like has put me in this more powerful position of like feeling uh, generally more impervious to, to uh, thinking about other people solving the same sort of problem. So that felt really good. Sounds good. Yeah, you said a lot there. Let's see. Um, there, I sure did. Uh, I need to pause more <laughs> when I'm talking. No, that's fine. I'm trying to remember my my the things I wanted to say. Um, it sounds like, yeah, managing energy levels, switching between projects, file and box and repurpose engine, is that, that feels like how I feel with a lot of things, you know, managing energy levels between projects. Um, and like, yeah, I think, I think the general solution right now is to keep going on both of them. Yeah. And uh, because... I think you want to do both of them. So yeah, and you'll have you'll only have these insights that like like you had this week if you continue to work on them. Um and you know, don't drop one for months and months. Yeah. Um so that's one thing. The other thing is what you said about yeah, finding an alternative or finding a competitor and like getting disheartened um is exactly what happens in the like creator education space all the time. Mm-hmm. There are like among video you know, course creators, it's like why would I so why would I do a course about AI? You can Right now, you can look up a hundred different university classes yeah. that have twenty videos each, all about how to do this. Yeah, and it's like, well, uh, you know, and, and a thousand other videos from other people. Um, and it's like, well, you, your perspective is unique, um, especially in the education space. People don't just consume one thing; they consume, mm-hmm. you know, four or five or thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can be one of those things. Uh, and also, like, you know, people, you know, some people absolutely hate university courses, so just mm. cross all those out. <laughs> And how can you like, so that's why I want to do like an AI without the math thing. I think that would have helped me early um, before I went back and studied the math, like to understand, you know, how things are. Cause most like nearly all discussions of AI jump into math pretty quickly. Um, and I think you don't have to. So yeah, it's, it's finding your unique perspective that serves a set of people who are currently underserved. Uh, yeah. Keep doing that. As a consumer, this is so clear to me. I would so much rather have more options. I I have a much yeah. better experience as a consumer when I have more options available to me. Uh, I think I've used the example of mayonnaise a, a couple times on this podcast, but like when I go to a grocery store and I'm looking at a wall of mayonnaise with a single preference of I prefer uh, uh, avocado or olive oil mayonnaise, that yeah. wall of mayonnaise mayonnaises may, may and i <laughs> the, the wall may- of jars of mayonnaise uh condenses down into one or two or zero choices it's like yep. sir kensington's uh uh specifically their avocado oil brand and it's um hellman's has one hellman's newly has one but they also have other oil in it i think they also have canola oil ah. uh i think I, I i haven't checked theirs in a while uh primal primal kitchen also has one and so of those two, I've bought them both several times. One of them is a little like more tangy than the other. I think the, I think right. the primal kitchen is like a little more tangy, uh, but it's a lot more expensive. So then it's just a decision of like, do I feel rich today or do I feel like I want to save a little money on mayonnaise today? Right. Uh, and then I buy it. So in the, and, and that's the best mayonnaise for me. And so when, when, when my dad walks up to that wall of mayonnaise, his best mayonnaise is a totally different mayonnaise. And I don't know if we need like, the uh, the you know uh how many people are in their world there in the world right now like eight billion i don't i don't know that we need eight billion mayonnaises uh but maybe maybe we do (laughs) maybe it would be better if we like if every person had their own individual take on mayonnaise uh that that i feel like would maximize the experience of having mayonnaise for each person uh but it's not quite that extreme it's it's uh you know people can in in the case of courses uh i learned so much more hitting a topic from different angles. Yeah. And if you're coming to it with a niched perspective that this is teaching AI to react developers uh, with just enough math that you know what's going on, but you're not going to go in depth. You're not going to have to do any proofs. You're not going to have to actually do any of the math. You're just going to cover it at a, at a high level. Uh, and you're going to you're gonna let me go one level deeper than just using existing APIs. I'm going to be able to make my own uh, AI API. 
that's a fresh perspective. As far as I know, there's there's nothing that exists that is covering a, a thing like that. And even if there was, and even if there were 10 courses like that, um, your particular perspective as Chris Ashard, you're going to have your own uh, take on that that's going to resonate probably better with me because uh, we're, you know, we're very similar people. Uh, I, I would probably rather take your course than anyone else's. And I'll probably take everyone's course if that's a thing that I'm interested in. Right. If there's if there's five courses for people like me, like yeah, I'll take I'll take every one, and it, it, I'm going to learn so much from the overlap of those courses of like what are what are the core things here that each of these instructors is saying. Um, okay, those are really the things to to hammer home. And I think it's impossible that you build an identical course to to what someone else is building. Um, yeah, I'm. It's it's been difficult for me. Like I've understood this perspective intellectually, and uh, I've been feeling it a lot more with the video clipper. And I feel like I'm just now starting to actually internalize it. Of like, no, yeah, making stuff is important and worthwhile, even in crowded marketplaces. Uh, it, it's always it's always hard when you see something, but when you see someone who has done something that you wanted to do and probably did it better than you may have done it in yeah, certain yeah. ways, and you're like, ah, well yeah you know uh yeah that happens all the time sure yeah yeah it's also just fun making it right like even in the worst case you, yeah. you're gonna learn a lot more about this process uh going through it yeah yeah i feel like i'm in a much better position with uh with that idea i will need to end this episode a little early because i have a customer call uh but there's cool. potentially two other things i want to talk about um the first is my grandmother had her memorial service uh this mm. past weekend uh, she passed away in February and uh, had a very long, slow dec- decline with uh, dementia. Dementia is a, a terrible disease. It's, it's, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was uh, awful to watch. And um, at the memorial, like it, it was beautiful, and and uh, I, I was just bawling the whole time. Uh, just, like tears streaming down my face, and uh, Sarah said my my chin was quivering like the entire time, and. Oh man, I, I, my mom gave this beautiful speech and wrote this poem about her, and uh, I uh, went up and gave her a hug afterwards, and uh, was reminded of like uh, the uh, I, I think I think all the time and, and energy that I've spent investing in relationships, uh, it feels like it it really uh, uh, I don't like the term paid off because I don't want to see this as <laughs> as like sure. mechanistic w- investment was but worth it. Yeah, yeah, this this like going through hard stuff and and being able to uh having tragedy bring people closer together i think is i think is the core benefit of of really investing in relationships and i really saw that happening like spent a lot of time with my cousins and and uh my cousin's kids uh yeah it it was great but uh so uh, i'm i'm saying all this to frame this idea that i had resurfaced which is i would love a uh, uh, uh Database is the wrong word. A, a better repository of information about uh, my family on both my mom's and my dad's side. I think this is something we've talked about on this podcast before, but I, I was reminded of it uh, at the service. Maybe. People were talking about all these great stories of my grandmother that I'd never heard before. And, uh, you know, her. my mother had a very different perspective on her than my cousin did, than uh, my grandmother's siblings did. She was one of 10 siblings. Like, that's, oh, wow. that's too many people. <laughs> and, uh, it's a, a different world where where people used to have uh, ten siblings. Her, my my grandmother's father, uh, had a farm, and so on mm. a farm, I think it makes a lot more sense to have more kids because it's free labor, right? Uh, yeah, there's a dark side to that, which is like he was he was uh, extremely abusive, and yeah. Anyway, um, so I, yeah, like I, I would love. I I, I uh, took a audio recording and asked people if they if they made a speech to send me the the text of their speech. And I would like that to live somewhere. I think I want it to live in sort of like a private Facebook where the profiles aren't uh, like, like a Wikipedia Facebook where, where you, you can upload photos and uh, you can post stories about a person. Um, and so I've been playing around with ChatGPT, uh, like designing the system on Firebase and uh, designing the data models and sort of like a, like a Facebook Wikipedia hybrid crossover. And I think... Oh, there's this great article called uh, uh, An App Can Be a Home-Cooked Meal that talks about yeah. how when you build an app, if, if, if you build apps uh, and you know it costs nothing but your time, it's totally okay uh, and 
in a lot of cases, preferable to build an app that's designed to only be for uh, a small subset of people that you know. Um, and I think that's what I'm building. I think I'm building a thing where I principally like, so I can keep track of all these photos of people. Um, it's cool what's possible now that I can do like face detection and figure out who people are and automatically link those to profiles uh, eventually and use Firebase cloud storage to store like gigabytes of photos and, and be able to browse those and uh, make them thumbnails and all that. But principally it's for me to be organizing all this information and keep track of it. And then for the, for the handful of other uh, uh, genealogically inclined people in my family, uh, give them access to it to be able to, to curate stuff like this. Um, so I've been, I've been hacking on that today. I find it really difficult after traveling to like get right back into the work that I feel like I should be doing. Like the most important work. This this today has been my uh, like easing back into work, doing a a fun project thing. Uh, But I'm I'm, I think I'm just curious on your take on this sort of app. Am I being dumb? Should this just be something that I I I haven't actually looked into any alternatives or like maybe ancestry.com already uh, does this way better than I could have. But uh, I'm also just enjoying the process of making it and designing it and uh similar to our previous conversation i think i'll have my unique take on how to keep track of this information and uh, that feels worthwhile but yeah i'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts yeah so uh my first thought is it it sounds like a neat thing to work on um my initial like how would i get this done as fast as possible would be uh to make a google drive or a dropbox folder with subfolders for each of your different things like i don't know could you like could you do that put all the stuff in there and then uh see how people use that um, maybe get an email list going and send out an email, you know, once a quarter or something with like interesting files that have been added to the drive or something. Mm. Um, that's how I would MVP it. Uh, uh, my feeling is you'll work on it and you like working on it and then it'll get into some half done state and then people won't use it. That's just my feeling. Probably. But, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I, uh, but here, I, think, here's, I think it's great here's my, uh, yeah, my counter to that is yeah. I've already done that. <laughs> like, like two years ago, I started it. It's been in a half done yeah. state. And usually what happens is the second wave that I feel uh, sort of like clarifies and crystallizes things. And then I take that half done state to a thing that I can use that other people can log into. And then it sits there for a while. And then my next wave is like, okay, let me do a little bit of work so that other people can actually use this. So uh, if if past trends continue... By the end of this wave of enthusiasm, I'll have a thing that I can use to organize stuff better than Google Drive would. I want like a Google Photos sort of interface where you scroll down and it's it's just a grid of photos and you can comment on the photos and you can make a shared photos album. I could, <laughs> but that's not, that's not in. quite what I'm. Ah, that's not quite what I'm making. Okay, I mean, okay, like yeah. uh, like this is the reason uh, home cooked meals are a thing is because you can't like you make it however you want. Yeah. So. This is how we want to do it. Then do it. Uh, may I suggest if you run out of steam before you finish it, uh, at least upload the recordings and stuff to to a drive or Dropbox. Yeah. yeah. Right now, I think what we've been doing uh, between my mom's and my dad's family is just like emailing Dropbox links of stuff to other yeah, people. Yeah, you could do too. I've been I've been trying to collect as many of those repositories of things that I can. Yeah. I, there's a reason why email and spreadsheets are like the two most popular apps ever. Yeah, yeah. Because they're super generic and everyone has them. Yeah. So. Cool. Uh, last point that I'd love to cover briefly. Do you know about Blue Sky? Uh, I have seen a bunch of invite things going on Twitter. Uh, I th- I think it's, I mean, it's a Twitter alternative. That's all I know. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any hot take on it? Okay. <laughs> uh, nope. Okay. I don't know. I haven't used it. So uh, yeah, I, I, I know almost nothing about it. I had an insight about it that I've been chewing on. So the, that the, I, I think I just want your take on Um the, so it yeah it, it's a it's a Twitter alternative. They're doing something kind of interesting with it, which is it's it's based on this open protocol, similar to how Mastodon's doing it. Um, uh, my understanding is it's it's like this federated system. I don't I don't quite know what federated means, but I think it means like uh, uh, Blue Sky is committing from the beginning to not completely owning all the data. Uh, Twitter owns all their data. If you if you want their data, you have to like use right. their API, and they they recently shut down the API. So. Uh, shut down part of the API. I don't. I don't think I understand that. Um, they made it very, very expensive to use. That's basically what. Oh, uh, is it the price? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, Blue Skies is sort of this hybrid between Mastodon and Twitter. Like they have the usability of Twitter. They have a nice, speedy mobile app. 
uh, and it's this federated open platform, but it's it's really easy onboarding. Uh, there's one kind of cool thing in it, which is you can have your username be any domain then, name that you own. So I have the really cool username at gen.co. Uh, nice. If you're on Blue Sky, you can add me if you want to. Uh, and then the API is super straightforward to use. I made a bot for Attaboy uh, at attaboy.ai and one person used it, which was a friend of mine from college who gave me the, right. the invite so that I could make a new account for it. Uh, I don't think people want to get affirmation from a public bot is my intuition. Right. And there's no DMs. Uh, and I don't think there can be DMs um, based on how the protocol works. So some interesting things that might turn into something else. But I was really surprised that like it seems uh, there's this culture starting to form on Blue Sky that seems to be promoting this story that like twitter is this hateful evil place and that blue sky is so much more fun and people are so much more free to be goofy and i was having a conversation with someone about this like that's not my experience at all on twitter like no one's ever been mean to be on twitter i don't i don't understand (laughs) and i think now i understand and i think i think what's going on is uh there are subgroups of people who feel persecuted on twitter uh particularly people like uh, i i the the trend that i'm currently noticing is people very far left on twitter are flocking to blue sky and have this ethos of like let's make sure we keep the far right people off of here um and i think that's the the zeitgeist of like what a lot of people are getting out of it uh so when people are saying like it feels so much less hateful it feels so much less hateful for someone who is further on the left, who's who's getting more of the far right hate on Twitter. And I don't think I'm in that camp, so I'm not feeling any of it. So in terms of a community, there's not a huge difference to me. There's people I want to talk to on both networks. Uh, and it's interesting seeing that that sort of community form. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Okay. Yeah, we have like three minutes till your call. So yeah. <laughs> uh, now that you've explained it, I do have a couple of uh, hot takes. Uh, one is 99.999% of people do not care whether the an app is federated or what, how the API is or anything. Yes. Um, they care where all their friends are. Yes. And so they will use whatever network has the most people on it. Yes. If Blue Sky gets the most people, then they will use it. But then it will have all of these groups on it attacking each other. Yeah. And it will co- become exactly what it hates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's my hot take. It, they're either they're either going to lose because no one uses it, or they're going to win, which means they're going to lose because the hate's going to come. Yeah. Uh, that's my hot take. Yeah, I think that's about right. I'm curious to see how this shakes out. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, that feels like a good place to end it. Uh, Chris, that is all I got. That's all I got, too. Then, uh, oh, I got to move my mouse over. There we go. Then I will see you next week. Uh, goodbye.